mind, body, spirit. The martial arts are a way of life. Attack life, not others, is an insight into that life. With Sensei Tim Hoover. I'm Steve Mittman. Sensei Hoover is here. And my dad joins us once again, Mike Mittman, back with us in studio. If you missed part one of this special several-part series, make sure to check out part one. We're talking about Hall of Fame heavyweight champion Larry Holmes, my dad. Great friends with Larry and also a professional relationship. You guys have been all around the world announcing fights together and so on. But the thing is, is the cool thing, sitting in your house with your dad and with you, talking about our passions, our age, who've been around for a while, uh, which we can talk about this uh, with some depth, and then getting into the stories and automatically going to, wow, how this really relates to the way of life, how it connects to the show. Last episode, you talked about Larry's struggle against all odds and how he became the winner and still is. Today, we want to talk about how he got there, how he became a sparring partner and become his own leader, which made him a great fighter. You've heard me say this before, but I'll say it again for those listening, maybe for the first time. This is martial arts related. That's the gateway that we use martial arts and boxing, etc., the concepts and philosophies apply, or at least we try to make them apply to everyday life. So yeah. I don't care if you're a carpenter, baker, you're a lawyer. You're yeah, just interchange the parts. When we say boxing, MMA, or whatever, just put whatever well, noun you want. Well, in this situation, <laughs> what we want to go for and what we want to talk about is, is yes, Larry had the heart, the fortitude, and we talked about that part one of the series, but he also followed the path of those that have gone where he wanted to go. For instance, the greatest. Muhammad Ali. He became his sparring partner. He wanted to be like Muhammad. So what do you do? You went right to the source and trained directly under him. Why don't you talk about that, Dad? He was Ali's sparring partner, and he you know, always says he learned so much from Muhammad Ali. Learned a lot about the jab, and Larry took that jab and actually went one up on Ali. And a lot of boxing historians will tell you, and a lot of boxing writers, Larry Holmes's jab was just as quick as Muhammad Ali's, but it was harder. Ali just threw a, a flicking left jab more to keep your timing off and to keep you from coming in and from being set. Larry Holmes actually knocked many a fighter down with that left jab. He could hurt you with that left jab. So but he how, not only emulated yeah. it, but he improved took it, upon he it. He took it a step higher. A whole new so level. A step higher. When does he, so at that point, you know, he's a sparring partner for Frazier. He's a sparring partner for Muhammad Ali and others. Eventually, he's got to stop being a sparring partner because now he's learned his trade his gift, his art, emulation is no longer good. It's got to become himself. Well, remember this. When you're a sparring partner, you're in there to give competition to your, that's your boss, whether it's Ali, Frazier, or Ernie Shavers that he worked for. They're the boss. Make no mistake about it. They're writing the paycheck. So your object is to give them a good fight. You can learn along the way. But there comes a time where, you know, if you would hurt your boss, you got to stop. You got to pull back, stop throwing punches. They're your boss. Okay. You're not there to shine. That becomes a mental attitude when you carry over to your own fights and you have an opponent hurt. All of a sudden, that sparring partner mentality that they call it, the sparring partner syndrome, whoops, he's hurt. And you have a tendency to back off because that's what you do in the gym every day. So there comes a time where you learn as much as you can and you toughen your body. You learn all the mental skills, the physical skills, what the great people have to offer. And then you break out and go on your own. You hire the sparring partners. I think that, see, in the martial arts, one of the very frustrating things of teaching 
our style anyway, is that there's a part of time where you're thinking in the box. Everything is there for you in the box. Years go by. And I'll always say, look, just just make it work. You know, a jab's a jab. Now, the technical part is there, but eventually it becomes part of you. The instincts need to take over. Eventually, I would wish and hope that the student will start thinking out of the box. Those who think out of the box in life, everyday life, actually succeed, I believe, in things that maybe they didn't even really envision in the first place. The most frustrating thing is to take a student and say, look, that's correct, but look at it. How can you make it better? How can it become more you? You're different than somebody that's 130 pounds. You're 230 pounds. Make it work for you. Think out of the box. You may teach the same thing. You may have 40 people in the class. You're showing one form or you're showing one punch or one kick. But now, like you said, they go out of the box. You don't have the same body style as a person to the right of you or in front of you or to the left of you. Maybe a man, woman, short, heavy, thin. Take what you taught them and they've got to own that now. They've got to turn it into their style. I sat in my buddy's 2019 F-150 Ford pickup truck the other day. It had massage, back massage, moving parts in its seat. It had everything. This thing was beautiful. It was like living in a house. (laughs) $67,000 for that piece of machinery. Now, if GM or Ford didn't think out of the box, we'd still be driving that Model T. And it's no different. Boxing is no different than the martial arts. Think out of the box and make it better. If you're an accountant, how can you be a better accountant? What can you do that the other accountant doesn't do? If you're a carpenter, what can you do that the other one doesn't do? Let me jump in here. Larry, for instance, put in years and years of dedication, first learning. You got to learn it first before you improve upon something. I think that's the problem these days. You're going into it wanting to improve something. You don't even have a base understanding of it from the beginning. And that's yeah, the you, you can't. You got to have that attitude that you're number one. You can't be cocky about it. You've got to realize you're just starting. You got to learn. Oh, and, and, and see, that's and where Larry was can't. unique. <laughs> he had humbleness, but yet extreme confidence as well. Those are two separate things. He had the confidence to know that he could do it, but he was humble enough. And, and Sensei, for instance, when we came to, you know, when I was training with you all through the years, I never challenged. Yo, I could do that better. He doesn't know what he's talking. That would be ridiculous. Right. You got to learn it first before you can improve upon something. Well, I think, yeah. And I think that's absolutely right. That is the learning process. The thing is, there's always the white and the black, but it's up to the individual to fill in the gray. Larry left and became his own. Now he had his own sparring partners. Now he's his own self. He's his leader. And he kind of filled in the gray. Eventually, that has to become your own instincts and the way you react to everything and how you do things and how you fix things. Let's get more into that and talk about the mentality of that as well and the psychology behind the sparring partner syndrome, that fine line to know exactly when to break off, that enough is enough if you're ever going to live the dream that you have. It's like you approach life and sometimes you have to be the ninja and sometimes you have to be the samurai. Eventually, you have to wear your uniform. And let everybody know that this is who I am, this is my purpose, and this is what I want to be. For those listening, tell and for my dad's sake, tell us about that, the ninja and the samurai concept. Well, you know, you talked about Larry being a sparring partner. He had to be the ninja. He had to stay behind the scenes a little bit, right? And he had to back off and make sure that the jab didn't break uh, Muhammad Ali's nose or whatever. Even though maybe he had the that split second, he knew he was there, he had to take it back. If he wanted to continue to do what he's going to do and follow his dream, he had to sort of speak, be the ninja. You know, unnoticed and unappreciated. But eventually one day when you got to shout what you're about, you become the samurai. In your face. In your face. And eventually he defeated Muhammad Ali. And I think there's a story 
about that that would probably be pretty yeah, cool to share that about. with us yeah, if you after he defeated him he went in and and approached him. Yeah, a lot of great stories about that fight. Of course, Larry wasn't thrilled to take the fight, but he had to take it because that was the fight that they wanted to make. Obviously, it was a lot of money, one of the biggest fights. Everything in Las Vegas was sold out for the week before. Larry took the fight because everybody was saying, oh, you're the undefeated champion, but, you know, in most people's mind, Ali was still the shadow of Ali. Yeah, Ali was still the champion, mm. and so it had to be. So he fought him. Larry took the fight to uh, Muhammad Ali, and as you look, at least on six different occasions, as he was throwing combinations, he stopped throwing them, and he waved the referee in to stop it. And Ali, unfortunately able to absorb an unbelievable beating as he always could. He didn't go down and he was getting hit with so many shots. Finally, Angelo Dundee in the corner mm -hmm. as chief second stopped the fight. Larry felt bad. Actually, a lot of people may not know this. He cried after the fight. You know, tears, you know, went into his eyes when Ooh, he came. Larry. Yeah. When he, when he went into the dressing room and Ali was on the table laying down and he saw him there and this was his friend his former boss and so he looked at ali laying on the the dressing room table and he says i love you champ and then ali you know tried to sit up a little bit and he says well if you love me why'd you whoop me so bad <laughs> and uh larry went over and hugged him kissed him and then he was walking out and of course ali was still ali he had all his entourage around them and he goes I want homes. I want oh, homes. Man, Get me good. homes again. <laughs> that's great stuff. And, you know, really, and, and again, feeding off of what you're saying, it just goes to show how humble Larry was and also, too, how pride could have easily stepped in there and Larry couldn't have really cared, you know. But he came in and actually really cared. You know, you can be your own self and be your own leader and be the samurai, but you still got to be humble. Man. And that's yeah. the greatest sign of leadership, to be humble. You know, look at Steve, look at you now. You know, here we are, several generations. And I have to ask you, did he ever show desires of boxing, your son, Steve? He sure did. <laughs> did he, he box? Uh, he, he, I used to teach him all the time. There was one point where he actually wanted to to uh, get into boxing. And, and what happened? He did, didn't he do it? Or? It didn't happen, and I didn't push it. <laughs> I, heard, I, heard he, I heard he found some crazy sensei by the, by the street and started training with me. Well, I'm glad the that truth he is, did. sensei, you know, he, he, he didn't want me in in the worst way because he's lived it. He yeah. sees it. And it's, it's, I've seen way too much. <laughs> yeah, and well, it's good that you didn't see some of the stuff I did to him. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, but I, from the very first time I took him to your the dojo, uh, dojo um, I guess you're what, 10? Something like that. Uh, 11, 12. 10, 11, 12. I was impressed with, with your style, what you taught. The martial arts teach so much confidence, and yeah. that's everything. It I don't is. care what it is in life. Well, it, it teaches you that you don't have to prove how tough you are. It takes a bigger man to walk away than to get in a fight and knock eight people out. You know, exactly. I got to share something while you're both here, though, too. I owe a lot all to my dad because it was a dedication on his part, too, because obviously at 11 years old, 12 years old, I couldn't drive. I sat in your social media day for hours. He drove me up. He'd sit there. He'd watch the class. He did. But he was dedicated. He drove me up there. And now I look back, I have the fondest memories of that as well. I'm glad that. And I love the, um, he got the martial arts, you know, and, and, and what it instills. And just to let you know, I've gotten hooked over the last couple months on watching uh, Bruce Lee movies. Yeah, really, I know. Boy, and, that, and, once and you're hooked, you're hooked. I just love Bruce Lee. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and anybody that wants to get into the idea of the struggle, 
Bruce Lee was another one who just came up with some incredible training methods that would enhance his ability. But the thing that, to compliment you, you never really just dropped Steve off. You wanted to envelop yourself in something new. You wanted to learn everything you could about the martial arts that your young son was taking an interest in. And I and loved every moment of it. You did, and then you invited me I watched me in. it, and, and I loved every moment what you were teaching him and the, the, the sparring. And it meant a lot to me because I knew, you know, I didn't know karate, but I knew the, the, the sparring aspect and the punching aspect. Didn't know the kicking aspect, but um, I enjoyed it. I really enjoyed well, it. And here we are, all these years later, Mike, all these years later, the three of us. I'm picking your brain about experiences that you've had and trying to get all this to relate to everyday living. I don't know. I mean, it's just, I got to tell you, it's your passion and mine and your son's. And somehow, all of a sudden, it, it all makes sense. It doesn't matter if it's boxing, wrestling, martial arts. It's like spokes on a wheel. The spokes shoot out in all in a different direction. It's just if that continues to just roll, man. It's all about the roll. And your son has taken his own system now things he's learned from you, from boxing and from me. And he has his own system and his own students. And that's a compliment to you and to himself for not just being the guy that's the sparring partner for the rest of his life, but taking it an, another step forward into where he's going with it. Just so, like in life, you know, if you want to be a sparring partner, you'll always be a sparring partner. Sure. But if you want to be the guy, whether whatever you do in life, you've got to Get rid of that sparring partner. Like a lot of lawyers that work for a large law firm, they learn what they learn. Then they realize, you know, it's time for me to get away, break out on my own and start my own practice or a backup singer. You know, you could work for Michael Jackson or Prince or Bruno Mars. There comes a time where, you know, I learned and it's fun, but now it's time if I want to get my own show, I want to be the lead singer, not a backup singer. Exactly. And I do believe the principles of the martial arts and boxing were all about that, all about becoming you, all about becoming the individual. Whatever your purpose is, you'll find it. And that's the interesting thing, and that's that's why we're here. Yeah. So I just want to say one thing. What you just mentioned a moment ago about it's like shoots matters boxing, yeah. or, and they're now more interchangeable than ever. People that I work with in boxing, from Butterbean and Merciless Ray Mercer, went into mixed martial arts. Some of the pro wrestlers I work with, like Dave Batista, Ken Shamrock, went from there into this. So you got Conor McGregor, the MMA yeah, guy, yeah, now yeah, yeah Conor McGregor, Floyd Mayweather. So now they really hear the parts. They are. They are. Changeable, yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, well, we have anything, Steve? Anything else before we cut out? No, here? I've just enjoyed this. Dad, thanks for joining us. I'll we, we come back. Have back again. <laughs> He's got uh, boxing stories like you wouldn't believe, all kind, not just with Larry and Muhammad Ali, but others as well. And if we can relate them, which we certainly could, because uh, I think boxing is a, a microcosm of the larger macrocosm of life itself to attack life not others if we could relate them which i know we can we should share some of those stories absolutely well thanks again thanks mike and thank you for being here talk to you soon thank you for listening to attack life not others subscribe to our podcast and for more on sensei hoover's way of life through the martial arts go to hooverkarate.com this has been a Steve Mittman social media creation. 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 Steve Mittman social media.com.